You're listening to Canned Peaches from KBIA. I'm Nina Mukherjee Firstenoff. We're trekking through farms, forests, and faraway kitchens, exploring five ingredients. Come with us to discover how communities locally and globally are intertwined through food. The past year has been rough for peaches. People are driving for hours in search of fresh ones. In our namesake episode, Canned Peaches, we're going to find how canned peaches connect people through a complex food web that crosses time and space. Canning is a big part of this story, but it's best if we started with the fruit itself. So I have with me producer Lauren Hines Acosta. She reported on this episode. Thanks for inviting me to the studio, Nina. Good to talk with you, Lauren. So where did peaches get their start? Peaches are actually from China. Over time, they spread through Asia and then the Mediterranean and onto Europe. Peaches didn't come to the Americas until the Spanish took them to the New World in the 1600s. Today, the major suppliers are China, Italy, Spain, and the U.S. Right, so we even have peaches in the Midwest. And we wanted to try some. So producers Janet Saidi and Alex Cox went with me to see a locally famous farm called Peach Tree Farm. It's in Boonville, Missouri, run by Judy and Bruce Arnett. They first showed us a historic cabin located on their property. So you can step inside and take a look. Right. Is there such a huge demand for peaches? Um, that is a good question. They we're a little bit different than a lot of orchards. If you go to a lot of orchard markets, you'll find that they have picked their peaches. They're back in the cooler. We don't do that. We actually pick our peaches ripe and sell them without putting them in a cooler. And so people really love the peaches because of that reason, because we pick them ripe. What is someone's like typical reaction when they bite into one of your peaches? Oh, it's like lean over. <laughs> They're not expecting all the juice that's coming out. We had this little old lady. She used to come every year. And I haven't seen her for a while, so, but uh, she would come, and her husband said, nobody can eat in her car, but she'll take her hat and put it <laughs> under her so she can eat on the way home. I thought that was sweet. So they're very juicy. We wanted to test that juicy theory. So Judy drove us over to the orchard from the cabin. Oh, look at the trees. Well, there is something quite serene about a peach orchard. Yeah, just, it can't, and you know, when you're out and picking with somebody, you know, and just visiting, it's, it's nice. There's a lot of trees. We have a busy and summer with this going on. It is busy. It is busy. And, you know, it's yep. an interesting life, I will say that. It's <laughs> you think? <laughs> what you say? Everything, every single variety that we have tastes different than the variety before it or after it. So, you know, after a while, you doing long enough, you can tell what it is just by the taste of it or the look of it they're all a little different they all have a little different acidity they have different sugar content they, 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 every peach is every variety is different than the variety after Do you have a favorite? 
Cresthaven probably would be my favorite, and they're really close. I picked about a half a box yesterday. So within four or five days, I'll be in the Cresthavens all the way. And they are referred to as the best peach that money can buy, not because we sell them, just because of the variety that they are. They've been on a tree a long time. They've collected a lot of complex sugars from the plant or the tree, and so they're they're really they're really top of the line quality peach. So I really want to buy a thing of peaches. So can I do it when I get back up here? I can put some together for you if you would like. I would love huh? What time do they show up at the farmers market tomorrow? If you there are some that, people that you, you really need to experience that. Oh, yeah, that. What's no, that it's in Columbia Farmer's Market. If you have not experienced it, believe me, you need to. I, I, yeah. the more, like the it's fun. You just need to be there. <laughs> yeah. Understand. You'll okay. understand. Well, when you say you have to experience it. It's a life of its own. You just you you you, you, you almost can't describe it. If you if you go, you'll know what I'm talking about. Just to show up, and show up in the morning about eight o'clock. You'll know what I'm talking about. And you won't be sorry you did, because it's a sight that you've never seen before. So it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting. It's fun. you got to try one of their peaches. What was it like? Well, let's just put it this way. I had to lean quite far to avoid dripping peach juice on my clothes. To me, those peaches smelled like summer. In one bite, you take a deep whiff and you know it's, mm-hmm, it's summer. And it seems Judy and Bruce have had to deal with some frost problems as well. Well, the peaches need to be hot. Missouri's hot days are perfect for them, but peaches just are not built for the amount of rain and frost we got this year. Many southern and midwestern states are losing their peaches to frost. Georgia's main crop isn't actually peaches, but the state did lose 90% of its peach crop this year to frost, according to horticulturalists at the University of Georgia. Oh, wow. So where are people getting their peaches? Well, peaches will still be in grocery stores, but some people drive hours to markets to get fresh ones. Our producer, Janet Saidi, visited Columbia's Farmer's Market. She found Peachtree Farm always has a long line, with people coming from Illinois, Texas, and other parts of Missouri. Hi, do you all want to tell me why you're getting peaches in line? I'm Janet from to. Public Radio. Oh yeah, for sure. So, do you want Can to talk? Can uh, my name is Jacqueline Sumida, and we woke up at like 7 this morning because we really wanted some peaches. My friend here is from, the, is from southern Missouri, and all the peaches out there got wiped out this year, so we wanted to give the Columbia peaches a try. That's really smart. How <laughs> yeah. did you know to do that? <laughs> um, she's really into the farmer's market and stuff, and we had been hearing about the peaches a lot, so... It was just a good chance to come over, and we like going to the farmer's market anyways, so it's just a good opportunity overall. <laughs> what do you like about the farmer's market? Um, There's a lot of really fresh fruit. I'm originally from the Chicago suburbs where there's not a lot of fresh fruit around, or you have to drive about two hours south to get anywhere close to it. So it's nice to have um, some fresh fruit around for like a low cost, and you're supporting local farms and vendors which is always good that's a really big thing <laughs> yeah absolutely well, it looks like your peach dream that you are <laughs> with this one is going to come true 
Oh yeah. <laughs> We're lucky, and we, I had to run to the bank to go get cash too. So. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna make it. I think so. I think so. What are you all doing here? We're doing a food podcast. Okay. This light cover story, but it's about food. Okay. Uh, we're looking at how food connects us through uh-huh. five ingredients, and one of them is peaches. Oh, okay. So is this a regular thing for you to get here and get peaches? Yeah, we come here every Saturday to get peaches um, and are willing to wait in the line uh, for about 150 people deep today. Uh and you know we just eat them sometimes we freeze them sometimes we make pies uh and it's really a hallmark of summer flavors for us and our family that's nice why are you willing to wait in line uh because of the quality of the peaches because we like to support the farmers um and it's nice to be with the community as we all gather to try and uh, eat peaches yeah it's really interesting so um so the line, in some ways, maybe is a bonus and not such a bad thing, like being with a whole bunch of people getting peaches and getting the same thing? Yeah, I think one of the things I love about the farmer's market is that it brings people together and, uh, you know, it's a seasonal rhythm, and part of the rhythm is waiting in line for peaches in July and August. listening to Canned Peaches, and we're excited to introduce you to our sponsor, Greenleaf Solar, the local solar installation company. Greenleaf Solar is your trusted partner in the quest to lower your carbon footprint and trim those electrical expenses, catering to both residents and businesses. The best part, they offer complimentary consultations and a 10-year done-right guarantee on all installs. To embark on the journey towards a cleaner, more affordable energy future, Google Greenleaf Solar. Let Greenleaf Solar guide you in making a meaningful impact today. Let's take a moment to reflect how pervasive food is in our cultures. The image of food, in this case, peaches, evokes more than taste. It gives insight to history, place, and identity. And literature often shows how connected food can be to all those and more. Let's listen to an excerpt. James and the Giant Peach by Roald Dahl. It was quite a large hole, the sort of thing an animal about the size of a fox might have made. James knelt down in front of it and poked his head and shoulders inside. He crawled in. He kept on crawling. This isn't a hole, he thought excitedly. It's a tunnel. The tunnel was damp and murky, and all around him there was a curious bittersweet smell of fresh peach. The floor was soggy under his knees, the walls were wet and sticky, and peach juice was dripping from the ceiling. James opened his mouth and caught some of it on his tongue. It tasted delicious. He was crawling uphill now, as though the tunnel were leading straight towards the very center of the gigantic fruit. Every few seconds he paused and took a bite out of the wall. The peach flesh was sweet and juicy and marvelously refreshing. So okay, now that we know a bit about peaches and the fact that they're worth waiting in line for, I think it's time to shift gears. Lauren, what can you tell me about canned peaches? Well, to start, 
Preservation methods have been around a long time. In North America, Native Americans use methods like drying and grinding food based on their traditions and ecosystem. But canning really emerged to feed soldiers fighting abroad. In France, Napoleon even offered a cash prize in 1795 to anyone who could improve food preservation to feed his army. Right, and we see canned goods as a big part of military rations in World War I. Canned peaches were a favorite, according to the Library of Congress. They were part of civilian life, and unlike canned meat, peaches reminded soldiers of home. Yes, exactly. I talked with food historian Anna Zeta. She wrote a book called Canned, The Rise and Fall of Consumer Confidence in the American Food Industry. She argues that canned food became more popular because canning industry leaders wanted to build confidence in their products. So they used scientific expertise and collaborations with public institutions. What do you mean by that? Well, at first, Commercially canned food was unfamiliar to many Americans. People didn't know where the food in these opaque tin containers came from. But in the early 20th century, the canning industry really tried to earn people's trust. They looked to outside experts like public health departments, peer food regulations, economists, agricultural, and other sciences. They wanted an external stamp of approval. Then, with the Great Depression, consumers had begun to embrace these canned foods. Fast forward to after World War II, grocery store shelves were stocked with commercially canned foods. Anna told me that from there came other packaged and processed foods, and many used the canning industry's methods. Anna says that's what's led to our current highly processed food system today. So how did we get to canning today? What does it look like now? Well, I talked with Claire Schmidt. She's a folklorist from Missouri Valley College. Claire pointed out that people tend to return to canning when things get scary. We saw this when canning got big during the 2008 recession, and we saw it during the pandemic in 2020. I talked with Claire in July a little bit about that and what else canning tells us. I think um, we see also uh, in, in the prepping sort of subcultures in the United States, um, you know, whatever different prepper families or groups uh, or online communities are are preparing for, there's a lot of fear. Um, there's a lot of fear of governments or fear of war or fear of, of, of any number of things. And so um, I think canning is a way of um, taking that fear, however, uh, logical, it may or may not be, um, and managing that anxiety through labor, um, as well. So I think different people can for different reasons, but I think people get similar satisfaction out of it. Um, whether it's the auditory joy of hearing the jar pop or going down in the basement and looking at all the colors and just the sheer quantity or, contrast of what you've accomplished. I was wondering if you could go into kind of like, what does modern canning look like today and why is it here? That's a really interesting question. I think um, people can when people can for a lot of reasons. And so I think canning is a little bit about time travel. 
um, in terms of food and time travel, but then I think it's also about time travel in terms of memory uh, and our memory of other people. So um, when you can things seasonally, you know, you might only smell that smell once or twice a year and it's always at the same time of year. And so that smell takes you back to the last time you did it or the first time you did it. And the person who showed you that trick with the knife or called the peach skin water, peach melba. And you're like, oh, now I understand peach melba. Like, um, so I think um, it allows us to go back and be with people um, that we can't be with anymore. And so uh, like I have a grandmother uh, who, um, you know, some of my earliest memories of her are canning, is canning field corn, um, which is like most people don't eat field corn because it doesn't taste good. Um, but she did, and um, and she would talk about peaches because she was born in Missouri, even though um, we were all in Wisconsin. And so, you know, she is on hospice now, so I can't see her, I can't talk to her, but when I do these things, I'm back with her a little bit. So I think um, canning brings us back to people. And so I think there's this really tempting idea of self-reliance and independence that comes with canning your own peaches. Like I did that, but um, people touched those peaches so many times before you touched them. There was so much invisible labor that goes into it. And we spend so little of our total income on food in the United States compared to other countries um, that it's very easy to take food for granted. Wow, what an amazing history of canning and family and labor and food, all in a can of peaches. So we've tried to follow how these foods get from our farms to our kitchens, but it can be easy to skip or forget what happens in the middle and how that connects so many people. Yeah, I didn't really think about that until diving into canned peaches. It's like one big food web. So I thought it'd be good if we visited a cannery. The team and I went to the Kansas City Canning Company in August, which sells lovely vanilla bourbon peach preserves. Let me just say that more slowly so you understand what I just said. Vanilla bourbon peach preserves. Uh-huh. It's run by Tim Tui. He gave us a tour, and we got to see how his canned goods were made. So I was really intrigued because you've canned before. You grew up canning. Tell me a little bit more about that. So I grew up in New Jersey, uh, and that's why I talk like this. It sounds like I got peanut butter in my mouth sometimes. But my dad and our neighbors both had little gardens in the backyard. My neighbors, Joan and Frank, were uh, first-generation Italian. And at the end of each growing season, it was mostly tomatoes. We would do canning, but it was, it was mostly tomatoes back then. And fast forward, multiple lives since then. But um, I was a teacher in New York. I ended up getting laid off after the 2008 crash. And I went to culinary school. Um, I went to culinary school in New York at the Institute of Culinary Education. Um, eventually moved out here and... I wanted to start my own business and I saw a niche in specialty foods and we started putting stuff in jars um, and that was going on nine years ago. So um, 
what we do we try to the, the main goal is to reduce as much food waste as possible um and you know with our limited capacity we do our best to do exactly that okay so i have several questions Please. so when you were canning as a child mm-hmm. what about that process really got your imagination or made you because you've stuck with it you're uh many years now so what brought you back to canning specifically the, uh, there's a nostalgia to it um it's something that i think fondly of and you know that process and, and when i talked to it was lauren right mm-hmm. when i talked to lauren about it that was one of the the cool aspects about what we do is that often you'll have people come up and say i used to can with my grandma or i used to do this with that you know so and so back on their farm somewhere and it there's a connection to the past that people can actually identify with because it has that nostalgia to it I, you know I, I think fondly about spending time in the garden with my dad and picking the tomatoes and spending time with Joan and Frank across the street and really you know it's quality time doing activities and with the community yes sounds like yes. as connected with nostalgia of the work it was the people you were working with yeah exactly and, and quality time with those people yeah after Nina and the team saw how the food was canned, Tim took them outside to his makeshift warehouse that felt like a large shipping container. Much of the floor was cluttered with orders. So can you tell me about where we're standing right so now? This is our finished product. Again, I'll use the term lightly, warehouse. <laughs> um, but this one, we have some... Uh, protection from the heat and the sun um it doesn't get too hot in the summer and it doesn't freeze in the winter um and i'm actually standing on our shipping and receiving table um so all of the boxes and shipments that go all over the country um all come from come out of here um so each of these jars are just so beautiful. I mean, I'm oh, looking at the colors and the shapes and the textures that I can almost, I can't feel them, but I feel like I can. You know, when you mentioned uh, sustainable um, use of foods, what I was thinking of, it just connected me to when you mentioned community before, because I feel like that is what sustains us, right? Not only what we're eating, but the ways we produce, us, produce it and your memories around community when you were young. Oh, yeah feels like that's a, something you're trying to pass on to me. And, and the, I think the extension of that is being a transplant to the Midwest. It's kind of an effort to, for me to build my own community of a chosen family. And, um, you know, just like we used to, we, you know, we would pick the tomatoes and everything and do everything from, from top to bottom at home back in the day. Um, but now, you know, I work with the farmers like yesterday, Mike Pearl, one of the farmers that we work with the most, he stopped by to drop off a bunch of heirloom tomatoes so we can make bruschetta. And then he'll be back through at the, the end uh, the end of the week. We say hi to each other at the market every weekend. And, you know, these, these relationships are what sustains us. And, um, I mean, he's a significant example, too. He's, Mike Pearl is a, he owns Pearl Family Farms in Parkville, which is a stone's throw away. And it's a, it's a century farm. Um, from the 1890s, I want to say. Um, but it's African-American owned. It's black owned. 
So it's been in his family. It's his legacy, and he, he likes to talk about how it's Liz's legacy, which is amazing. Um, but the thought of having, you know, a family-owned, privately-owned black farm a stone's throw away and being able to, to work with him is, it connects us to some sort of history. It's kind of cool. So it seems canning also touches on eliminating food waste and getting food back to people. I really liked how he used food to build a community for himself and also tackle some food waste issues. Yeah, I never really thought about canning as kind of eliminating food waste, but I guess it makes it last longer. So that's really interesting. So where are we going next? Judy from Peach Tree Farm gave me a wonderful peach cobbler recipe. But if you take a cup of flour, a cup of sugar, a cup of milk, and a tablespoon of baking powder, and you whisk it up till it's mixed really well, and you pour your peaches with juice in the bottom of your 9 by 13 pan and you pour this over the top. It bakes up just like a nice little cakey cobbler, you know, not the pie crust cobbler. And then when I get it out of the oven, I sprinkle cinnamon and sugar over the top. And it's nice because when you have company coming, like kind of unexpectedly, you can quickly whip that up and you've got a peach dessert that's really easy and really delicious. So I thought we could revisit when we made it in my kitchen as our final stop. Cassandra Laughlin is the co-founder of Goodness Gracious Food Cooperative in Georgia. She was visiting me to learn more about journalism and help me cook the cobbler. So Cassandra, yes, can you help me make Judy's recipe sure. in my kitchen? I would love to help you. <laughs> All right. You see what happens when you deal with peaches firmly. They get a little mushy. However, how do you two think food connects people? Well, you see us right here in my kitchen connecting very well <laughs> over flour, sugar, butter, and baking soap powder. Anything else? Yeah, you can't be angry and eat at the same time. You ever seen anyone argue over breakfast? You know, eating waffle, it's hard to do, because you're happy. Awesome. <laughs> Use her quote. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, you know, there's this thing where, you know, they say, if you want to get to know someone, you sit at their table. But I always say, you, you, sit, at, you sit in their kitchen, because that's when you really see how things get done in, in their world and how they feel about everything. So I think that's true here, too. cakey. Mm -hmm. That's really good. It's delicious. It's very delicious. I think even though we thought that was too much sugar. It's enough. It is just right. Oh my gosh. How do, what does it taste like? Like summer in a bite. <laughs> yeah. Warm gooey goodness. Canning has a deep history which reveals how we're connected through a complex food web. But it's canned peaches oddly enough, that truly capture memory in time. That sweet syrup and vibrant yellow pulls us together and gives us comfort. Canned Peaches is produced by Lauren Heinz-Acosta, Janet Saidi, and me, Nina Mukherjee-Firstenau, with production help from Yasha Mika Wychuk and Alex Cox. 
This series is written by Lauren Hines Acosta and Janet Saeed. Our editor is Aaron Hay. Thanks to Lauren Hines Acosta for co-hosting this episode with me. Can Peaches is a project of the Missouri News Network at the Missouri School of Journalism, Fox Magazine, Harvest Public Media, and KBIA. Our engagement and outreach team is led by Jessica Von Martin, Cassidy Arena, and Professor Kara Edgerson. Special thanks to Harvest Public Media's Maria Altman, Fox Magazine's Heather Isherwood, and the Missouri School of Journalism's Lee Hills Chair in Free Press Studies, Professor Kathy Kiley. Can Peaches is produced with support from the Missouri Humanities and the Missouri Humanities Trust Fund. On Can Peaches, we're exploring how we're all connected through food on our plates. For more episodes, go to kbia.org. And you can see more stories from Can Peaches at foxmagazine.com. I'm Nina Mukherjee Firstenau. Thanks for listening. See you next time.